Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. So there's no doubt this is a time of some serious, serious spiritual warfare, isn't it? Um, so as we, as we just begin this, this sermon, this message today, uh, we want to just kind of recognize that and just to encourage you to be, to be praying. I don't know about, has this been weighing on you guys as a, as a church? I felt like this has, been an, this has been an interesting, interesting situation. We've seen things and as we're coming off of a, a pandemic and now we're getting hit with another worldwide global issue, we need to be people that are interceding in the heavenlies and asking for God to just intervene and, and really also for people to come to know him through this crisis, for people to come to relationship with Jesus Christ during this time of, of just confusion and suffering around the world. Because how many of you know, we don't have all the answers to every issue going on. We have a lot of opinions, but we do have the answer for life. Amen? And the answer has a name. The answer is a person. The answer is hope. The answer is Jesus, the hope that we have. Amen? Well, if you have a Bible today, would you open it up to Ephesians? We're going to start off looking at some words from the Apostle Paul. And can we say hello to anybody who might be online streaming with us this morning? We're glad you're with us. We welcome you today and make sure you respond and say hello to us in the chat. But this has been a very challenging series for me. Has anybody else been challenged by this series this morning? I mean, my goodness, we're talking about dynamite, understanding the power of the tongue, understanding that our tongue has the power to create and speak life and to build up and lift up, but it also has the power to bring destruction, to end life, to end relationships. And so life and death, it's been a theme that they are, they are, they are determined, right, by what comes out of our mouth. I believe one area where the body of Christ misses the mark the most is this issue with our mouth. Anybody here agree with that? Let me hear that. Let me say that one more. I think one area, if I could just be dead honest as a kid growing up in the church, right? One area where the body of Christ, and the body means every part of it, right? I, I'm, I'm throwing myself into this completely. Where we miss the mark the most is this issue with the mouth, with our spiritual dynamite. You know, I, I think no doubt Satan has no problem with us sitting in church every, every Sunday. He has no problem with us attending. He has no problem with churches large or small or mega movements. And he has no problem with God's people chilling in church from 9 to 11 as long as he can have access to our lips around noontime. Right? As long as he has access to our mouth later on, he's cool with God's people kind of going through the motions in church as long as he has that access. Let's look at the words of Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. We're going to read a few verses if you would. Do you have it there? Anybody got their smartphone today or the real thing? Anybody got the real thing? Throw it up, right? We got the real book, the real Bible. All right, we got our digital Bible. We got it turned on, ready to go. All right, would you follow along in Scripture with me if you would? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body, and in your anger do not sin. In your anger do not sin. 
I love that this scripture is honest. I love that the Apostle Paul is honest. Do you notice he doesn't say that we're not going to get angry in this life? He doesn't say that, it, we're, we're, right? Anger is an emotion that in some ways there is a righteousness to it, right? We saw last week how Jesus, when people were doing stuff in the temple that they should not have been doing, there was an anger that came about Jesus when he ran those people out of the temple, right? But the Bible, Paul says, but in your anger, do not sin. I think that's where we tend to miss the mark. That's where the damage comes in because when we say things in anger that slip out that are sinful, that is like a bomb that you cannot take back. It's damage that you cannot undo. Let's continue. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I would say it like this. Don't give the, the enemy a crack. Don't give him an opening. Don't give him a seat at the table. He knows the destructive power of our words. Not only will destructive power come back and haunt us in the workplace or haunt us in our relationships or in our lives, but our words are going to hurt other people. Our words are going to do serious damage. But worst of all, and this is where we are going with the message today. See, we've, we've spoken about a, a lot of uh, the power of the tongue from a lot of different, uh, area, a lot of different angles applying it to each other, how we build each other up, how we tear each other down. But today, here is the big idea. Our destructive words, here is the worst thing that happens, is when we cannot control the power of our tongue, it creates a sense of distance from the Holy Spirit. Is the worst possible place we can be in as Christ followers, right? Our words will create a distance between us and the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, Paul goes on, if you'd skip ahead one more verse with me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Is this difficult for anyone else, or am I just looking at this feeling like the Holy Spirit's just convicting me, right? You notice it doesn't say, don't let some unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let occasional unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't, you know, it's just a joke, it's just comedy, whatever it is. It's, this is hard for me to read this, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Do we catch this? According to their needs, not our needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 30, here we go. This is the serious stuff here. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul says this, unwholesome speech it has a big impact on our intimacy with the lord this this idea grieving the holy spirit i think of it like saddening him offending him right uh, as anybody uh, we had our, our pastor's conference a few months back and i had a few people comment about does anybody enjoy the giant painted squares on our south side of the property those giant four square symbols i think sometimes we don't even notice but they, they're all these different symbols, and if you notice, um, I, I think it's, it's cool, but one of them, one of the symbols is that of a dove. It's kind of one of those symbols that I've seen since I was a kid, right, Dad? It's, it's, we got the cross, we got the crown, we got the cup, we got the dove, right? Jesus, the, the healer, savior, baptizer, soon and coming king. Well, in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is often, and we're, we might get into this a little bit later, but one of those symbols being a dove, the, the Holy Spirit is often 
referenced or referred to as a dove in scripture. And I notice in, in my backyard, we have some lights and there's a lot of birds that like to go hang out on our lights that we have strung across the backyard. And, and I notice the difference between the pigeons that roll through occasionally and occasionally a couple doves that visit our backyard. And it seems to me like, it's just interesting, like the pigeons will do anything to just get whatever they want, right? But it's interesting, and I'm not to talk about, you guys like, we came to church and we're talking about birds, right? But it's interesting to me, it seems like a dove is a bit more of a sensitive bird. It seems like the minute, like it could hear the door crack and they fly away, right? They, they kind of just, they, they take off at a moment's notice. And when we talk about this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit, saddening him, it causes, it, it basically, can we say it like this? We, it doesn't necessarily affect our salvation, but we limit our experience and our intimacy and our access to the Lord's power when we grieve the Holy Spirit. When our language is poor, when it's foul, we actually offend the Holy Spirit. And Paul says it like this, we actually offend the Spirit that is within us, is what Paul writes. If you find yourself in a stage where, have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I just don't feel like I hear God speaking to me. I just don't feel like I, I have any direction. I don't feel God, I don't feel like what it is you, I don't, I don't feel like I, 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 we just don't seem as close, whatever it is, right? I would, I would challenge us and challenge myself to think about this. If you feel the Holy Spirit is getting very quiet in your life, and I would say it like this, you might want to check your language. You might want to watch your mouth because I, I think this is very truthful. The Holy Spirit will not hang out with foul-mouthed people. <laughs> he will not hang out with foul-mouthed joking. He will not hang out with foul language, right? And it's, it's kind of like this from this, as we wrap up this series, we're going to kick into like, can you believe we're, we're like coming up on Easter soon? In a few weeks, we're going to jump into some Easter stories, some Easter characters, some Easter people. But before we do, I think it's as we finish this series, Dynamite, Understanding the Power of the Tongue. If you want greater access to the Lord, if you want a greater experience with the Lord, if you want greater intimacy with your maker, with the Lord, if you want greater access to his power, one thing we have learned, that our lips are a big deal. And unclean lips, it is not a small problem, it is a massive problem. In fact, it might just be the main problem in the church today, and in our church today, and in the church around the globe, this idea of unclean lips, our speech is so powerful. Have we learned that in the last four weeks? Our speech is so powerful. And each of us, I'll raise both hands, we all at times are guilty of taking our speech way too lightly. Amen? Right? We all are guilty of this. This isn't something, right? This dirt in our discourse, this dirty discourse, it not only affects you and me, but it greatly affects others. And, 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 and can we say it like this? It affects our lives so much in ways that we could never dream. We're going to conclude this series by looking at a man in Scripture, a man, a hero, a hero in Scripture, that eventually he allowed God to use his mouth. He allowed God to use his mouth wisely and God did something in him and through him and moved through him in ways that he could never possibly imagine I could never possibly imagine and we we, we want to talk about if we learn how to let God control our speech we will discover just the, the 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 very ability to allow God to shape your life God will shape your life based on our speech 
The book of Acts, chapter 7. If you have a Bible, you can flip there for a minute. But I love the book of Acts. Um, Dr. Luke, right? Mr. Details. He, he, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, if you just glance at it, because we're going we're gonna to hang out with Moses today. But he gives a wonderful summary of this hero, this man named Moses. It's a man that we know, he, he was raised in luxury. After, right, he became an adopted child of, of Pharaoh's daughter, right? After he was found, right, he received, the book of Acts tells us he received the best training he received. He was a life in luxury. He, 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 um, the book of Acts actually says this, and you can find it, but it says this in Acts chapter 7, that Moses was powerful in speech and tongue. Moses was powerful in speech and tongue. We know the story from there, how, how Moses, at one point, he took matters into his own hands. He acted too soon. He enacted his own plan. He committed murder, and he just about offended and, uh, everyone in his vicinity. He made, he made enemies on both sides. He made enemies. He went and he lived his life on the run. He was chased out into the wilderness, and 40 years later, secluded, alone, no doubt, um, goodness, 40 years out in the wilderness. <laughs> I think about this. Moses spent 40 years leading sheep when in fact he was called to lead people, right? He spent 40 years, he was leading sheep instead of people. And I, I just think at this point in his life, I would be pretty hopeless. Is he, yeah, right? I'd be pretty, he, and it's very clear when we go back to the book of Exodus, and let's look at Exodus chapter 4. This is our main text today. Exodus chapter 4. We're going to encounter a man at the... At the the, the later half of his life, I think he's around 80 years old at this time. Moses has spent 40 years in the wilderness leading sheep. He's lost confidence. He's lost his sense of value. He's probably lost any belief in himself. He was this prince of Egypt, and now he is an outcast and unknown. He's probably lost his hope in anything. And Moses has this burning bush encounter with the Lord, with the Creator in this burning bush that we know, right? It describes, it not only reveals the miraculous, but it describes an assignment for Moses. It, it describes something he is called to do. And upon hearing about this assignment, guess what Moses' response was? Right? He, didn't have that, he didn't have that Prince of Egypt swag anymore. His response was, no, 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 no. God, you got the wrong guy. It wasn't like, this is amazing, God, I'm going back, God, I'm going to do something with my life. No, 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 his response was, this is way out of my league. Uh, this is out of my capabilities. God, this is, this is not it. Let's look at his response. If you have a Bible, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Let's read it together. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And look at, when we look at Acts chapter 7, it says, no, 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 he wasn't, right? But I think we have a man that he, he has forgotten reality. He, he has forgotten his value. He's lost his confidence. He says, choose someone else, anyone else. His value has slid so far that he's like, never have I ever. How many of us can't stand that word never, right? Like absolutes, right? Even in like relationships or, or with our kids, right? It's like, it's like, honey, like guys, don't say never, 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 right? But Moses says, I've never been able to speak well. 
I think there's something about Moses. You know, you know, church, if you believe a lie about yourself for long enough, it will become the truth in your life. If you believe a lie from the enemy, if you believe a lie that was spoken over you when you were young, if you believe a lie, surely long enough that lie feels very true. And we see Moses in this state, this timid response. And, and in some ways, I'll be honest, does anybody here actually blame him? Moses is being told, you're going to go back to Egypt and you are going to confront the most powerful man on earth. I think I might take a hard pass on that as well. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to play hero ball and I just would have stepped up, right? This is, Moses is, is, it's almost understandable. He's going, he's being told to go and speak. He didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel prepared He didn't feel like he could get this job done. Now let's read about this lesson God delivers to Moses. And um, my kids are in that cartoon age. Has anybody seen that movie, uh, Joe, or what is it? The, The Princes of Egypt, The Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. Does anybody have kids that like cartoons? None of us. 9 a.m., you don't have any children in this church, huh? I'm teasing, right? But there's this scene in The Prince of Egypt where Val Kilmer actually voices Moses in that cartoon movie, but he also is the voice of God in that scene. And I love it because he delivers, it's it's like God is in the burning bush, and it's, it's like this quiet scene, and he's peaceful with Moses, and he's talking to him, and he's telling him, you will deliver the people. And then when Moses says, choose someone else, it's like the, the bush starts to rage a little bit more. God gets a little bit upset with Moses in this setting. And so when I read verse 11, I think of this booming Val Kilmer voice from that movie, The Prince of Egypt, when it says, who gave the humans their mouse? That's how he says it. He like starts to yell at Moses. I kind of love thinking of it like that. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouse? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In verse 12, he's heard enough. He says, now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. God asks this rhetorical question and he's not really asking Moses how he feels. Right? He's not asking Moses for his opinion. He's not asking for Moses' commentary on the matter. Sometimes God just is asking for obedience. Regardless of objecting, Moses is, he's like insecure, he doesn't want to do it, but God says, you know what, Moses, there's something you need to remember is that I'm the boss. Moses, there's something you need to remember. You, you may have been in charge of these sheep out here in the wilderness, but I am in charge here. Moses actually is trying to play God. He's trying to play the, the trump card. He's trying to overrule God saying, I can't do it, and God says, no, 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 no. I'm calling the shots, Moses. You're not calling the shots. I made your mouth. I'm capable of using it. I'm not going to accept this response. And God says, you know what? I'm going with you, and I'm going to teach you. Number one, would you write this down this morning? And uh, it should be in your, in your notes today. And if you have, you're taking notes the old-fashioned way with pen and paper. Would you write this down? Kind of a long one. A major part of our relationship with God involves him being the Lord of our lips. It involves submitting our words to him. Just as God was for Moses, he is for us. This, this feeling Moses had, a feeling inadequate, right? You, you might feel inadequate on your ability to handle a stressful situation, a meeting this week, 
an encounter this week, a conflict this week, a conversation this week, you may feel really inadequate, but when you discover the ability to rely on the Holy Spirit, you'll find that God can actually dictate the words that come out of your mouth. God can actually give you wisdom in the middle of a conversation for words that come out of your, your mouth. He can actually lead a conversation. He can actually carve out the direction of the conversation. How many of you know that is what we need more of? Moses eventually relented, and we see a man that says, God, I am no good with words. And we eventually see God giving him the authority. We see God giving Moses the power to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of the Lord. Psalm 81:10. God uses words. God uses words. It says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Isn't that an interesting scripture, right? Open your mouth and I will fill it. I think it's like this, this, this idea. When we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, God wants us to to. He wants us to be so close. He wants us to be listening. How many of you have children or grandkids where have you ever said, like, put your listening ears on? We have to say that in our school all the time, right, in our academy, like, time to listen, time to listen. Like, playtime is over, shouting time is over. Time to listen, right? God wants us to listen so he can communicate to us and also so he can work through us. And when he works through us, oftentimes we begin to like partner with him and see that God can work through us to accomplish things that we couldn't even dream of, things that we couldn't even imagine or do on our own because the God who made our mouth can do amazing things. He wants to fill it and he wants to be in charge of it. So number one is this idea, a mature Christ follower has made them Lord of their lips. I wouldn't say this is a salvation issue. You might be saved and you might have a place in heaven, but your speech is blocking the Holy Spirit from moving through you, right? It's a big deal. We need to ask God, God, would you dictate our speech? God, would you help us in this area? Number two, the Lord's words are never wasted. Number two, would you write that down? God's words are never wasted. Um, Have you ever had a conversation with someone and it just seems like either you didn't communicate what you were trying to communicate or they didn't hear anything you were communicating or it just feels like you're having a conversation but you just keep kind of doing this in the conversation? Like there is no progress being made, there is no useful information being exchanged, There is just nothing good happening from this conversation. There's no mutual understanding. Like, what just happened during that, right? But with God, that doesn't seem to happen. God doesn't waste his time. He doesn't waste his words. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But my word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose of for which I sent it. How many of you know God, (laughs) he's pretty good at what he does. God is pretty good at his job. And so my prayer during this series is for all of us to ask this question, God, how can I get better at allowing you to handle the content that comes out of me? 
God, how can I get better at letting you handle my words, handle my tongue, dictate the words that come out of my mouth? Here's what Jesus said. You know what's interesting? Would you write this down? This isn't in your notes, but even Jesus submitted his words to the Father. Would you write that down in your notes this morning? Even Jesus laid down his words to the Father. John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says this, For I did not speak on my own. But the Father who sent me commanded, him, commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And notice he says, not some of what I have spoken, but all of what I have spoken. Even Jesus had this relationship with the Lord when it came to his words. God, I ask that you would help us maneuver our mouths in such a way that our words become your words and our words are delivered with the right precision and the right motives and most of all listen to this church the right timing how many of you know you can have the right message but if your timing stinks if your timing is isn't led by the lord it can fall on deaf ears when the holy spirit is involved in our speech it's evident it's powerful it's noticeable when we apply scripture in a certain way so as we kind of get ready to end this series, Dynamite, Understanding the Power of the Tongue, it's asking, it's asking God to be our governor, right? And I don't mean in a, in a legal sense of who runs a state, but like a governor to, to keep us in the speed limit, right? How many of you know that? Like a, a governor that will, will slow us down when we, when we, before we just blurt something out. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Would you read this with me? When you are arrested and you stand trial, don't actually worry in advance about what to say. How many of you ever had a speeding ticket? How many of you ever had four speeding tickets? This guy. <laughs> I've had like four or few. Me and you, buddy. Yes. Um, it's been, I haven't had one in like 15 years, though. It's been a while, knock on wood. I've, I've grown up a little bit. But back in the day, I had a few. You know... They always had this option, right, here, I think here in Vegas, right, where you could go to court and you could, like, explain what you wanted to say to a judge, right, to try to get out of a ticket. Has anybody ever done that, actually? I, I would always take the route where I was like, you know what, there is nothing in me that wants to, that just seems intimidating, that just seems scary, I don't know what I would say, I would probably freak out, I'm just going to pay the fine. Just pay it and let's be done with it, right? But I think about this idea, going to a courtroom, going to a trial, going into this situation where there is someone in that chair with a gavel and a robe that has power. They've been granted power, right? Book of Mark says this, when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance what to say. How many of us are like, what? Says, don't, he's, telling, he's telling, right? Don't worry in advance what to say. Then he says this, just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. He says, when, when you're actually in tune with the Holy Spirit, you can stop worrying about what to say, right? Because the Holy Spirit will provide guidance and the Holy Spirit will provide wisdom and he'll provide wisdom for a specific situation and a specific conversation. Number three, I believe, and this has probably been something for every generation, but I think this is one for each of us now 
maybe possibly, quite possibly more than ever, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him govern our tongues more than ever. Number three, would you write this down? More than ever, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him govern our tongues. If we don't know how to listen, how will we ever hear him, right? He won't be able to speak through us when we don't even take time to listen. He won't be able to use us when we don't take time to listen to the game plan. <laughs> when we, how, how do we, we kind of get the game plan from the Lord? Think about like baseball, the way you approach a hitter, or football, the way you plan your offense for a game or a specific scheme, right? How do we do it, right? I think spiritually, we, we, we kind of do the same thing. We spend time in it. We spend time in his presence. How do we get the game plan from him? We, we spend time with him. I mentioned earlier, right, this, this, the Holy Spirit and those symbols out back, right, the Holy Spirit often being compared to in Scripture is that of a dove. Um, my kids are in the animal stage, so I'm just thinking animals, right? But you notice, does anybody here in Las Vegas have this problem that like every neighbor around you has a dog? What is going on, right? What is the matter with us people, right? I'm like, my goodness, that's a, that's a sermon for another issue, right? Well, we have, not only do we have dogs in our neighborhood, anybody who's been to my house, you, can, you, would, you would agree, they are loud dogs, 7 a.m., they are all, we have sound machines in like every room because these dogs just bark. All, they all they talk to each other in our neighborhood, constantly, constantly. Well, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit is nothing like that annoying dog that lives next door to you, or me, and just barks at you all day long. You get out of the car, it's barking. You wake up in the morning, it's barking. It's 9.30 at night, it's barking. Right? It drives me crazy. But we learn from, from the Lord, the Holy Spirit actually is much different than that. He's a total, he's the ultimate gentleman. Right? I spoke earlier about a, a, a dove, Right? A dove doesn't go around your backyard or all throughout Las Vegas barking orders at you, making noise like these crazy dogs in my neighborhood. I need prayer. Because I've thought about doing things to them. I really have, honestly. Some of you are like, I have. Like, I won't, I won't. I'm just saying I've thought it. But you know, in my backyard, we, our backyard goes back. It's kind of like this rectangular backyard that goes back quite a bit. But I've noticed... Sometimes if you're very still, sometimes if you're really quiet, those doves won't take off. Sometimes if you just kind of sit still and you stay quiet, they even begin to make a little noise. It's like this little, anybody ever heard a noise from a dove? This little cooing sound, right? It's totally the opposite of these obnoxious dogs in my neighborhood. But the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, talks about God speaking as what a whisper a whisper first kings chapter 19 verse 11 go out and stand before me on the mountain the lord told elijah what happened church we know this story elijah stood there the lord passed by a mighty windstorm hit the mountain it was such a terrible blast that actually rocks were torn loose but the lord was not in the windstorm after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Bible says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Right? He didn't come in the earthquake. He didn't come in the wind. He didn't come in the fire. But he came with a gentle whisper. I said it earlier, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't dominate the conversation. Right? He... He doesn't yell out. One thing about the Holy Spirit is he always honors our free will. Honors our free will. But we began this series with this idea of taming of the tongue. Taming of the tongue. Managing this this weapon that we have. I, I took my kids within the last year or so. We had the chance to visit the San Diego Zoo. And like I said, we're just at that animal stage of life, and they have those amazing tigers, grizzly bears, uh, lions, you name it. Everything's there. Poisonous snakes, all these different creatures and animals, the most dangerous animals of the zoo. But you know what's always interesting? When you go to a zoo, they do not let those things roam free, do they? They don't. I know that might sound silly, but think of an everyday example. Every time there is a ferocious, vicious animal, right? It is either behind bars, it is behind glass, it is, it is not freely roaming around because if it was left unchecked, if they just let that gorilla go, if they just let that tiger or that lion roam through the zoo, that would be a problem for us. <laughs> right? That would clo- close it down shop really quick. We talk about these vicious animals, these apex predators, and how much damage they can do to humans. Our tongue is so dangerous that we must, we must learn to do the same thing with it. Our tongue is such a weapon, we must learn how to allow our mouth to act as a cage and allow the Holy Spirit to dictate how and when we open it, right? And this does not come natural for people with a sin nature. Amen? It is not in my natural instinct to, it's not in anyone's natural instinct to say, Lord, govern my lips. Right? But when we do, it allows the Holy Spirit to place His thoughts in our mind. When we say, Lord, govern my mouth, it allows Him to put His blessings upon our lips and work through us. Ephesians 5, chapter 18, and this is an interesting scripture to close this message out on, but I think it paints the picture of what we need to strive for. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, let's not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And it says, do something else. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, anyone who's ever been drunk, anyone who's ever seen someone drunk, anyone who's ever experienced that, right? Not that anybody would, right? But anybody who's ever experienced that, you would know when you have been around that, that that person no longer acts like themselves. That person becomes someone that maybe you don't recognize, that you didn't know. They do not act like themselves when they are influenced with that substance. But look at that second half of the verse. Instead, be filled with what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the total opposite takes place. When the Holy Spirit is in charge of our tongues, it begins to dominate the way that we talk. He begins to dominate the way that we walk, the way that we associate with people. He begins to dominate the things that we do. And when we respond 
the way the Holy Spirit calls us to respond, it shocks people. We're a little bit slower to anger. We're a little bit slower to throw out a vicious opinion. We're a little bit maybe quicker to forgive. We're a little slower to react to issues that are, is it just me or is it seem like culturally we have such knee-jerk reactions to everything? Like we are just quick to react, quick to speak out. So how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? The same way you get filled at a meal. <laughs> Even the first half of that verse, right? How does someone get drunk? You, you consume it. How do you get full at the dinner table? You fill your belly. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you begin to consume it. You begin to consume it. You begin to spend time. And the Holy Spirit, when we do that, we go all the way back to week one, when we, when we just continually consume and spend time in the Lord's presence, spend time with the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll, you'll notice that in your life you don't, even have to, you don't even have to react or think, but the Holy Spirit becomes the bit that begins to guide your life. The Holy Spirit becomes that, that tiny rudder that steers the entire ship. And we know about Moses, when Moses relented his tongue, when he allowed God to use his mouth, his messed up mouth, his messed up confidence, his messed up issues, right? Alone in the desert for 40 years, Moses was probably weird, really weird at this time in his life, right? Probably had to get used to being around people again. But when we fill our mouths with speech that's rooted in God's word, God's truth, then the Holy Spirit's whisper, he starts to whisper words of healing, he begins to whisper words of faith and he begins to deliver and whisper words of hope. And when we do this, it, you know, it actually stops the enemy right in his tracks. That first verse we read, we said, don't give the enemy a crack, right? Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a seat at the table was Paul's warning. Don't even allow him in the room, right? Lock the door, shut it, right? Because his purpose in life, his purpose for us is to stop, to thwart, to end the message of the gospel. Paul says, don't even give him an opportunity to do that. And with the Holy Spirit, man, we will, we will bring more blessing in our lives. Also, what is so cool, we will be a blessing to others in more ways, just like Moses, than we could ever possibly imagine. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we love being in your presence. Father, help us manage this dynamite. God, help us submit our lips to you. God, help us remember that, God, your words are never wasted, and we want to speak with your words. God, help us listen. Help us to govern our tongues. God, we pray that just a sense of repentance would ring out from this series. God, a sense of repentance for the things that each of us have fallen short in this area, probably already today. But God, that we would be people that constantly each day we repent daily for the words that escape from our mouths. That we would model this for our families, for our families, for our husbands, for our wives, for our kids. That all of us would be people that repent. Maybe you're here today and you just want to acknowledge Jesus the Son. The Bible says that God loved us so much that he sent his Son. But he sent that Son with a mission. And that mission was very, very hard for the disciples to understand, but that mission was the cross. That mission was to 
go to the cross for each of us, for what we did yesterday, last week, for what we're going to do next week and in the future. Jesus took on our sin. He became sin for us. And I just want to ask you this morning, if you want to just acknowledge him, recognize him, maybe you're online watching, maybe you've been far away from him, maybe you, you were a church kid back in the day, but you realized your faith was simply your parents' faith. It was someone else's faith, but you didn't have your own relationship. Maybe you're here and you just, you need to, you've been walking on your own path and you need to come back to a relationship with Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your eyes? Would you just respond in the chat? I know first service generally has more of our, our mature people here and all those different things, but I just want to take a moment. Can we pray this this morning? I see over there. God, I need you. God, I need you to save me. God, I don't know why I'm even here today, but I humble myself. I ask for your mercy. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for Jesus. God, I need your gift. God, your gift of the Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, would you take the cup, and as we close with communion, when Jesus was with the disciples, he took the cup, and he took the bread, and he broke it, and he told the disciples, this is my body that is broken for you. You know, one of the coolest things we can do at church is come before the table of the Lord. Does anybody here miss a communion cup? Would you throw your hand in the air? We don't want anybody to miss out. One over here. If you need a communion cup today, I'll give you a moment. We can throw some that way. Any over here? Are you good to go? Throw your hand up. It won't distract anyone. We want everyone to participate. But then when, when, when we come before the table of the Lord, I, I like to call it, I don't know so much a tune-up, but an inspection. Right now, can, as we just get quiet before the Lord, can we just ask the Holy Spirit to inspect us? to inspect our motives, to inspect our words, to inspect our habits or our thoughts. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Would you take what you eat and would you do this in remembrance of me? Church, can we take together? And Jesus took the cup the cup of the new covenant he said this is my blood which is going to be poured out for you it was the final sacrifice that was ever needed because his blood covers his blood covers us amen would you take and would you drink and would you do this in remembrance of him God, it is so good to be in your house. God, challenge us this week. Challenge us this month, even when we move out of this series, God, to manage the dynamite in our mouths.
In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.